1: This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 if I'm not uh, making room for UGA sports. Football's off today, so I am on till 6. And we're talking about some of the things that uh, came out of the news this week that I'm digging a little more deeply on uh the speech by bush the speech by obama even trump said something that made me think the uh globalist resurgence is underway. You're going to want to stay to listen to that. I'll try to get to it in this segment, but um, I have a lot to cover. So, feel free to call 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, my trusty producer, do you have a tweet for me that uh, maybe just came in in response to the show?
2: I do. I have one from Oconee Elite. He tweets... Our first three presidents and our founding fathers put gag orders on the newspapers. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh,
1: That's a good one. Um, I know I actually said last week, I've been talking a lot about how there's pressure from the left and the right now to Control information to control the media, to regulate it, to regulate even websites and stuff like that. And I object strenuously because I'm an absolutist when it comes to the Bill of Rights because the Bill of Rights are there to give us the tools we need to keep the the government in check because government is so dangerous. And I've I've used the quote Thomas Jefferson said that the man who reads nothing is better educated than the man who reads nothing but newspapers. And I know he had a lot of trouble with the newspapers. I don't know about those facts that if that's true or not. Maybe I'm ignorant about it and uh, and should follow up. Certainly, I the I am still a fan of Thomas Jefferson. Patrick Henry is one of my guys too. Maybe after I read the Jefferson Adams letters, I might have a better sense of if these guys were more compromising. I mean, Adams is not my guy. I like Jefferson, but uh, but I know like Adams uh, had some funny laws, but lincoln and wilson who i believe incarcerated journalists that kind of thing happened always to get uh to silence journalists who objected to war to the wars that these guys were trying to promote and war is the health of the state and if you you so that's like a very important point that I remember even Phil Donahue, who who I was raised to absolutely despise as what my father used to call a pinko. Just, you know, we could not watch Phil Donahue, not permitted. What's a pinko? What's a pinko? Like, a commie is a red, but a fellow traveler is just pink. So I think Gene Kelly, my father, said, crap it, pinko. (laughs) So, so like, Phil Donahue was not a a hero in our house, but I think he lost his job because he objected to the Iraq War uh, from his position of influence so I I believe that uh gagging the press in in to my knowledge what I've observed is to keep real discourse from the wars and if you see people I think this is another like when I t- we were talking about diversions earlier like the the dumb news you're getting all the divisiveness CNN is like so adamantly opposed to Trump and you know Fox's uh uh talks talks about how bad CNN is but but when it comes to the real agenda, they spin it differently, but they don't object. I mean, you do not hear CNN saying that we should absolutely get out of Syria immediately. They say, instead of saying, uh, bomb those guys into submission, they say, bomb those guys because they hurt babies. But everybody says, bomb those guys. So you have to realize that the, journalism is already, I think, under the thumb at that level of the agenda and the agenda always, in my opinion, at, at the base of it is war, war, not because of what not only because of what war accomplishes, but because war keeps a population constantly in debt, constantly in fear is very powerful weapon. But uh, let me I want to take some calls. 404 8720 750 1-800-WSB talk. Go to Mark in Oxford. Mark, you're on with Monica. Hi, Mark.
3: Hi.
4: Um, Yes, ma'am. I wanted to talk about the uh, distraction that you were talking about with uh, Bush and Obama, who I really feel is irrelevant at this point. But um, what are they distracting us from? I have my thoughts and feelings on that situation, yeah, but let's I also hear it. wanted to get yours. Uh, well, my personal feeling is uh, the whole endgame that the elite have been talking about since, what, probably the early 2000s. You know, after uh, the Iraq uh, invasion, and my feeling, what they're trying to keep us from is the man-made weather that's been going on, the man-made fires due to lasers. If you look at the uh, pictures of the fires in Northern California, you'll see trees and greenery in certain areas where the houses are just completely leveled to the ground.
1: Mark, and I have to interrupt really you. I, sure. I want you to. Ha- I, I want to keep talking, but I want—I have a, a couple of thoughts on that. These these man-made disasters—these disasters, disasters, which supposedly are not man-made, I'm starting to read about, like, Hurricane Wash and other things where they—that's a book I read recently—that they— they were well advanced in technology of being able to make hurricanes and clouds rain like crazy or to, yes. to make the heat go upward in a hurricane to kind of diffuse it. This was decades ago. And they said, oh, well, we stopped doing it because of the liability. People might sue us for the impact of our intervention. I'm like, no, that's why you went underground with it. That's not why you're they're not going to stop like, oh, come on, General, let's not do that. <laughs> no way.
4: Even uh, Michio Kaku had said that this was a game changer. Uh, I believe he was being interviewed on. I want to say it was ABC. And, uh, he Is that a famous how,
1: scientist?
4: Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, Michio, he's one of the... Not the white-haired guys. guy. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, he ma'am. seems a little bit commercialized. Yeah. But at the same time, he also talks about how they can uh, create lightning. There's even uh, U.S. patents on there, the, yeah. uh, lasers and the weather modification. And- yeah, I'm
1: starting to go down that rabbit hole, which I never was before. But those, those, uh, I was in California recently, and uh, I heard on the radio, they said this is the largest wildfire uh, in L.A. County, which I guess doesn't isn't usually the place where the fires are. And when I landed in the airport in Burbank, I saw they were, my husband and I both, I didn't even say anything because I figured he'd say, oh, you and your conspiracy theories i said they're not fighting that fire look at how close that fire is and i've seen fires before they come with the helicopters and they dump the water and i but i didn't say anything and he said boy it sure doesn't look like they're fighting that fire and two people i met under different circumstances that trip commented that they did not they said they, they just let the fires got so close and then when they really were about to get to the house then the water came i'm not i'm not saying I don't know what to think about that. But then I saw the headline of an article yesterday that said, a liberal is a conservative whose house just flooded. Wow. And you just think of the psychological impact of that. That's the danger of, quote, populism on the right. You forget your principles. And uh, and so I felt like, it, maybe it's just the Rahm Emanuel idea, there's a crisis, let's use it. Maybe it's the Edward Bernays idea, which Binkley here turned me on to. If there's no crisis, create one. I really yeah. don't know. I didn't want to cut you off. I know you have a lot to say. I don't have a lot, to ta- a lot of time, so keep going, Mark. Tell me what else. All right, uh, real
4: quick. I just like everybody to pay attention to what they see. If you see pictures, look at the background. Don't just look at what they're showing you, and you'll start to notice that things aren't looking the way they should be. If houses are burnt, flat to the ground, how are there trees and greenery in that area? And when they say
1: I, unprecedented, this never happened before. Never I almost happened. wonder if they're saying that and doing that stuff to justify the idea of global warming rather than because they're yes, saying, oh, it's I global warming. I'm saying But you were saying that this is all a distraction. What's it? Dist- what is the purpose? I want to know what you. Uh, think. the end game
4: is uh, depopulation is what oh. the government's working towards. If you look at uh, Deagle. Which is a uh, website, I believe, for a corporation that does uh, government analysis.
1: Eagle, E A G L E. What is
4: it? I believe so. Okay. Deagle, yes. Oh. and uh, what it is is they say that come twenty twenty-five, our population in the United States will go from three hundred and ten million down to sixty-five million.
1: Well, the Georgia Guidestones say the population of the whole world should be five hundred million, right? Correct. Correct. But I I have to say that it really always seems to come back to uh, population reduction. I remember there was a they started like the good guys club. It was a billionaire's club of Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett and Oprah showed up Mm -hmm. and they they said, oh, we were puzzling over our the first big issue we should tackle. And of course, overpopulation. You know, I mean, like, oh, really, they're really scratching their heads over that one. That's the essence of it. That's the most important thing, because actually, this is something I wanted to talk about a little bit. If we get to it, that uh, I see all these signs that we're that this the totalitarian state is really coming together. And what does that mean? It means control basically of everything, of healthcare, of land, of food. Um, you know, all these social policies that look like they're helping you really ultimately are having the government control all these necessities. Uh, but in order for them to really be able to implement a totalitarian state, uh, they might have to have a more manageable population, which is why that kind of thing always scares me. Wars kill a lot of people. It's happened before. That's why the wars scare me a little bit. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, at Monica Perez Show. Uh, we, Kirk, uh, in Marietta is going to be on next. He is going to uh, contradict. He disagrees with Mark and me about the fire. So let's hear what he has to say after the break. This is Monica Perez.
0: You maniac! You blew it up!
4: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
1: Partly cloudy tomorrow, high of 76. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, we just went down a rabbit hole with Mark about uh, some of these natural disasters. And to the extent that they're man-made to serve a policy agenda, is that even is that even possible? Uh, so we've got an answer to Mark on the line. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Kirk in Marietta, hi Kirk, you're on with Monica.
0: Hi hey, young lady, first time caller.
1: Nice to hear from you.
0: Good show. Now I would just submit that uh, these allegedly historical fires in California right now, uh, in these regions where you're not allowed to burn, uh, the underbrush and the uh, vegetation builds up and dries out and where historically uh, nature uh, via lightning or the indigenous peoples would burn it off, They've not been allowed to burn it off, and it's just been a box waiting box just waiting to blow. And, and, and to, to somebody's point earlier on the show, where they said they felt like the first responders were just sitting there and watching it burn, I, I, would, I would point to Detroit, where they're, they're leveling city blocks because you've got these abandoned buildings, where. and I, I don't judge anybody for being homeless. That could be the most horrible thing in the world. But you've got homeless people going into these warehouses, starting fires to stay warm in the Detroit winter, and you've got firemen losing their lives, putting out fires in buildings where nothing... Otherwise, it is really going on.
1: And really, it was poor, poor city management that created, I think, that created that crisis. So the city basically went bankrupt. But there were other natural things here in Atlanta. Sometimes I wonder when I first moved down here, had my, uh, I wanted to cut down some trees in my property, like real garbagey trees, too, super tall. It was right after that long, long drought, you and to we weren't Yeah, yeah, we weren't allowed to. And then <laughs> trees would fall. It would rain, and trees would fall and kill people.
0: Sure, sure. Well, there's a little deal down in Atlanta. You're not allowed to cut down a tree without a permit, but once you get permitted, you have to have the city cut it down. And if they don't allow you to cut it down and it falls down on your house, well, there you go. That's not even covered by insurance. You've got to pay the tree daddies you know, directly out of your pocket.
1: Yeah, it's here's the thing about central control, though, to get back to that, that you if you have central control, you have to have all the information. And a lot of times the people who have the information are the people on the scene, the people who care, are the people who live there. And uh, if they're not responsible enough, what makes you think a government bureaucrat is going to be responsible enough? I want to get to those clips, I promise you. And I never came up with coming up after the break, 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica
4: Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
1: I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6, uh, especially today when there's no football. I've got my full show on until 6 o'clock. And uh, we've got had some great calls, some great conversations. We're talking about... I'm, t- I'm trying to get to some deeper issues here. I try to peel the layers of what's being talked about in the news. Bush and Obama made speeches, and and uh, they were taking slams at Trump, and then uh, Richard Spencer, the alt-right guy, made a speech, and it was violence broke out and all this kind of stuff. So I feel like there are deeper issues here, and we've been trying to get to some of those. I'm happy to... Uh, to Peel the onion with you. Give me a call, 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I've been playing clips of the speeches. I'm going to do that and try to give you a little more insight into what I think is really, uh, what's really important as opposed to like the bickering and name calling that we hear on the air all the time. First, I want to read a tweet. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, you got a tweet for me?
2: Yeah, I have an interesting tweet here from FGS who says, that They believe the Obama and Bush speeches were coordinated because they both brought death, misery, and outrageous debt to our nation, and they feel that their collusion will safeguard their incompetence.
1: wow wee <laughs> Kazawi, that's a big one. It might be worth signing up to Twitter and checking out my Twitter feed, at Monica Perez Show, to see, to read that one for yourself. But it, what is funny about it is that these guys come out and they have such they really these speeches were well written and well delivered. And these guys sound so polished. They read and and for people who that makes comfortable, which is mostly everybody all the time, which is why politicians are like that. No matter what they're saying, like it makes you feel good about it. You know, it's like it's like sexual harassers are like that, since That's the theme of, you know, they, they're like so nice to you. And then by the end of it, you're like. Did I just, is this my fault? (laughs) Take (laughs) away everything. Something happened. So I, uh, so there is something to that, the way these guys just are able to, with their smooth talking, uh, gloss over the things that are just as bad that they did. Uh, as Trump but the funny thing is Trump who is not a smooth talker he can't read convincingly off a teleprompter I think that makes him seem more genuine I think his base likes that because they think they can tell when he's lying like I actually think that's a little bit of a device I know that sounds crazy because I'm like why don't they teach him how to read a teleprompter the guy despite what people will say he's not stupid he could read a teleprompter if you taught him he's an actor like he did The Apprentice he did wrestling he knows how to read his lines so that's kind of weird But I want to play a game. Speaking of reading lines. Oh. You want want to play a game? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. So I have a prize pack to give away. That usually makes the the, the lines light up just saying that. But what I want to do is play a little game. I want to read an excerpt, a passage from one of these three speeches. So it was Bush, Obama, and Richard Spencer, the alt-right guy. Uh, Former President Bush, former President Obama, and the alt-right guy, Richard Spencer. So I'm going to read a passage, and I want you to tell me. Now, if you've heard them all and you know the answer... It's going to be the honor system. I don't want you to call if you actually know the answer. I just want you to guess the answer. And then uh, the first person to get it right is going to get the prize pack, which is a pair of tickets to an evening with Randy Newman on November 17th at Atlanta Symphony Hall and a family four-pack of tickets to an Atlanta Gladiators home game at Infinite Energy Arena. So that'll be good. But instead of calling the the line uh, for the prize pack, call the call-in line so that I can talk to you Uh after I read this speech. So the line is going to be 404 750 or 800-WSB-TALK. And here's the, here's the passage, and you tell me who you think said it. We can acknowledge that Thomas Jefferson, one of Virginia's most famous sons, owned and sold slaves. That's not disputable. And we can also acknowledge that he wrote the words... We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And we can recognize that even though our past is not perfect, we can honor the constitutional ideals that have allowed us to come this far and to keep moving toward a more perfect union. That's what America is. So if you, wow, how did the things light up before I even finish Lit up. So, uh, but I have to wait until Mahalia screens it. So let's, um, what should we do, Binkley, while we wait? I don't want to confuse the issue by starting to play clips. So we're going to wait on playing any clips until I get an answer here. Uh, Although I I do have some interesting stuff from the Bush speech, which... (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's so deep state globalist like that. That's the thing. People call the deep state Obama holdovers. That's such a sham. And it's like my mother. I said earlier, it's like, oh, Trump invented that whole fake news expression. It's crazy. That's like we've been talking about long the deep state killed JFK. Like, that's not you know what I mean? Like, it's not Obama yeah. holdovers.
2: Yeah, the deep state's been around for a while. In Bush's speech, he acted like divide and conquer was a new strategy introduced by the Russians that just started in 2016. He was describing what the CIA's mission statement is, basically.
1: Yeah, He well, that's the funny thing, is that when people say, oh, this is what the Russian hackers are doing on like Facebook and say, I'm like, that's fine. I'm happy to have this conversation. But you have to say the CIA, <laughs> not the Russian hackers. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, anyway, all right, so I'm going to start... Uh, Shall we do, let's see, okay. Going to Greg and Griffin. Greg, who do you think gave that lovely speech about Thomas Jefferson this week? George Bush. It was not George Bush. It was oh, not, no. I know. You would think so. Thank you, Greg. It was not George Bush. I'm going to go to Holly. Holly and Marietta, who do you think gave that that lovely speech about uh, about Thomas Jefferson this week? I think it's Herman Kane. It's not Herman Cain, not Herman Cain. So we got to keep going. Wow. So uh, we got to keep going, see what happens, see if anybody gets it. Uh, yes, yeah, so they're talking about this Russian hacking thing. And in my opinion, like as far it looks to me, like I was trying to explain earlier what a dialectic is, where you just get they pit us against each other, like Ferguson and the Zimmerman thing, like they pit us against each other uh, because of the ambiguity in uh in the issue, like the Ferguson thing, there was real questions about the facts of the case. The Zimmerman thing, there was real questions about what good judgment would be. Uh, and here, with the there's real questions about if there's any evidence or not. I mean, you're really just trusting whatever the, the official narrative is. All right, I'm going to keep going. Hold on. Uh, Jeff in Atlanta, who do you think made that speech about Thomas Jefferson? Jeff in Atlanta... Hey there, was it Martin Luther King Jr.? It was not, I'm sorry to say. All right, now I'm going to uh, Ron in Lawrenceville. Who do you think made that speech?
3: Uh, Are we showing the first one? Because I I got cut off dialing in,
1: so what was the question again? Yeah, the question is that I read a passage about Thomas Jefferson that was in a speech that was delivered this week, and I want to know if you know who delivered that speech.
3: I think it was Spencer.
1: It was not Spencer. So let's see if anyone... Anyone can get this right, which is kind of funny because it was a multiple choice question, and two <laughs> two out of the I three choices was. have been eliminated. <laughs> so I feel like the next person should really get it. So, but I don't. I don't have a. I don't have names. I'm wondering who's on who's on line five, but that's okay. I can wait. Mahalia is gonna gonna give me a name on line five. Whoa. There it is. Here we go. Okay, Bill from Covington. Who do you think made that speech?
3: I'm guessing Obama. He and the Bushes have the best speechwriters in the world. It sounds Obama-ish to me. We
0: can acknowledge that Thomas Jefferson, one of Virginia's most famous sons, owned and sold slaves. That's not disputable. And we can also acknowledge that he wrote the words, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And we can recognize that even if our past is not perfect, we can honor the constitutional ideals that have allowed us to
1: come this far and to keep moving toward a more perfect union. That's what America is. You got it, Bill. You won the prize pack.
3: Well, five years for a degree in history finally paid off. Yeah,
1: <laughs> how'd you guess it was Obama? What made you think so?
3: He's exceptionally smooth. Uh, his The socialist mantra is forward, forward, always forward, Oh, whether it's off a cliff or not, and they just kind of had that... That tone to it to me. I don't yes. disagree with much of anything he says, but he, he what he says, he says well. It sounded like, like
1: progress, and here was the thing that I just thought that that passage of uh, it was just such a great, inspiring, unifying ideal. Like I think that. I mean binkley's rolling his eyes but like that's the truth i mean if it's stupid to squander the principles in the constitution and the bill of rights because they were implemented at a time when slavery had been the norm for thousands of years and if you look at the foundational speech the cornerstone speech which really is not a nice thing to read they the the one thing the guy says is the problem with the union is that they don't acknowledge slavery as a justifiable institution. It was not really. Uh, I mean, Thomas Jefferson himself knew that it was in contradiction with these principles that could serve us all over time. So i the, the fact that he said such a unifying speech, it's inspiring. And that only gives the lie to the divisiveness that uh, that ended up coming out of his presidency and right now it's coming out in the anti-trump stuff so bill you won that i'm going to give you back to mahalia and you're gonna you're gonna get the prize pack thanks for calling
3: good stuff thank y'all all All right
1: (laughs) so uh yeah so we're gonna get to some of this stuff right binkley
2: yeah it was obama's reading of it that made me roll my eyes not the words. oh
1: yeah 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 no i know because he was really hamming it up i mean i almost felt like i felt like when bush was doing his speech he was like really concentrating on saying the words right like it felt like he was <laughs> i know that's awful actually he went to yale i mean i don't think he's an idiot um but I I, get, I I think that was his focus and i think obama was just he, he really felt like he was enjoying himself oh there. yeah and then by the i was towards the end he was really hamming it up yeah <laughs> So I thought that was good. I I kind of feel like skipping the. uh, You know what, let's let's get uh, we'll just do I want to get to the, the Obama stuff because some of the other clips of Obama's were uh, talking about how divisive the right is or or implying, like, when they said he was taking a slam at Trump, like, he was saying this stuff about them being so divisive. And I kind of want to juxtapose what he was saying as if he's the great unifier with with what the anti-Trump, like call to action actually is. It's very divisive, vicious. I mean, prepare for violence Like was one of the things that I had seen. So I think that'll be interesting. 404 800 wsb talk or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
0: It got me excited because
4: this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
1: Yeah, yeah. Partly cloudy tomorrow, high of 76. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I'm going to go to a call, Mike and Conyers. Mike, you are on with Monica.
3: Hello, Monica. You know, uh, Obama's speech, though eloquent, very meaningful, encouraging, to me had a more or less a putrid stench coming from the lips of a man who spent his entire presidency refusing to acknowledge that America has led the way in establishing freedoms in, in its constitution, improving race relations. He spent his entire presidency dwelling on the past, uh, and consequently, uh, to the detriment of current race relations and for many years to come. So uh, it, it just seems so insincere. Uh, It would seem that anybody who's been paying attention at all for the last eight years would know it was diametrically opposite to what he actually believes in uh, his uh, administration.
1: I agree with you. That speech, when I listened to it, it was like a fantasy world. I mean, it was all that uh, positivity that I think rings false after all these years. In the beginning, I have to say, I would never— vote for a socialist i think he's like clearly socialist i don't even think he'd be like insulted by that really in his heart of hearts but uh, in the beginning despite that i would not agree with him ideologically i did feel hopeful that he could help to over you know I, I hesitate to say heal this country of the racial stuff because i think a lot of the racial conflict has been fostered by the the powers that be to keep us divided to keep us from um focusing on their constant encroachments on our liberties and stuff but i thought how could the power still use that device with this guy who was so beloved and overwhelmingly supported and voted for by clearly many people who were not democrats so uh, I, I really had a lot of hope. And then we actually got the opposite, like the, at, at that henchman Holder who went out of his way to sow discord in, for like Zimmerman and Ferguson and, and that kind of thing. I mean, the divisiveness that we're seeing today i was, I mean, certainly Eric Holder can be held responsible for knowingly implementing that strategy. So it does ring false. His speech rings false to me.
3: Well, I mean, Holder serves at the pleasure of the president, as I understand it. And it's uh, at the, at the uh, uh, pleasure of the Constitution, for sure. And uh, to uh, have a, an attorney general who is uh, basically flying in the face of the Constitution and to put up with it and keep him as attorney, attorney general uh, means that Obama uh, acquiesced at least to it, uh, but uh, to me actually condoned it or would not have taken place for such an extent. I,
1: I actually think that the way the power works isn't kind of what you see is what you get, that Eric Holder's law firm is one of the oldest, deepest state law firms, and that his position, he really got away with stuff that nobody else could ever get away with. And and I look at Obama and, and Trump, people aren't going to like it. A, a lot of these guys as really just the face jobs, and that they don't really have that power. The Senate should have cracked down on Holder, but... That's open another can of worms. 404 800 WSB Talker. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
4: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies.